travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. This quote is from Mark Twain, said sometime in the 1870s, but perfectly applies to the Wayfaring Band, a Denver nonprofit that provides travel opportunities for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Program director Kendall Hager explains how the Wayfaring Band and its members generate inclusion, laughter, wonder, and hope through excursions all across the globe on this episode of Making Our World Better. Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast, where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark. Be joined by Kendall Hager, Program Director for the Incredible Wayfaring Band. Kendall has a degree in special education and is an advocate for those with intellectual and developmental disabilities. She has devoted her adult life to supporting inclusion for those with disabilities. Kendall's passion for the disabled community actually began in 2004 when she was just 12 years old and became a volunteer for the Cherry Creek's Special Olympics aquatics team. In addition to her love for Special Olympics, Kendall has been involved with several other disability organizations over the years. Most notably, Adams Camp and the Rice School of Denver were formative in shaping Kendall's perspective on inclusion. Kendall is passionate about empowering people to find the skills to ask for help. Can't wait to hear more about that within the context of their special needs, as well as the sense of security required to share and express their special gifts. A kick-butt swimmer in her younger days until injuries derailed her competitive career, she volunteers as head coach for the Denver Sharks. As program director for the Wayfaring Band, Kendall plans trips, connects with travelers and families, and executes global and domestic adventures with band members with positivity and panache. Kendall, welcome and thanks for being here. Thanks, Jay. So happy to be here with you. Awesome. So how would you describe the Wayfaring Band as somebody that doesn't know anything about it? Sure. I can give you my little elevator speech. Excellent. So the Wayfaring Band is not a musical band of any kind. We have absolutely nothing to do with music, which confuses a lot of people. Um, (laughs) But instead, we are a band of travelers. So I think of it as like Robin Hood's Merry Band of Travelers. Um, We're basically a group of people who travel together, um, like you said, domestically and globally. Um, And we serve both adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities, as well as neurotypical adults, um, which means adults who don't have disabilities, who are interested in learning about how to be a better ally to the disabled community um, and just learn about like, you know, how to be a better person. Awesome. Yeah. So tell me how the organization's kind of evolved over the years. You've been involved with it for a long time. Tell me how it's grown, changed, gotten better, all that. Sure. Yeah. So uh, actually this year, the Wayfaring Band is celebrating our 10 year. Salute. um, Which is pretty exciting. That's very exciting. um, You know, you mentioned Adams Camp earlier. So it started from a few counselors who were working at Adams Camp um, who were just talking to some of the campers about like, what's next, right? When you, when you turn 18, what's the next thing that comes in life? Um, And there was one woman in particular who just said, I really want to travel. Um, And so that's sort of how the Wayfaring Band was born. And, um, you know, it started out very small, just like a couple trips a year. And and now typically it's about eight, uh, eight trips a year. Obviously, there's been a lot of changes because of the pandemic and our ability to travel. Alan, sure. 
Yes, but it's about eight trips a year. We have uh, some that are really close to home, uh, you know, close to Denver for folks who just want to kind of try out our programs. And then um, we also go really far. We've gone to Abu Dhabi for special deployments. We've done, uh, we went on a sailboat in the Bahamas. Um, we'll, we'll do anything. We're game for anything. Um, so that has been an exciting adventure, you know, throughout the years to kind of see, uh, where the band has gone, um, geographically, um, the band, you know, it's stayed a small organization, which we've done purposefully, uh, we're a grassroots organization and we really believe in, in strong community. Um, so we've stayed small on purpose, which we love. And and I personally love, I, um, feel like all of my best friends are part of the band, which is. That's fantastic. Well, and I, I think what, you know, full disclosure, I used to be involved with Adam's camp. I think one of the cool pieces of Adam's camp, which is even amplified a little bit more in the wayfaring band is this idea of folks with IDD, what they can't do, what you guys focus on and what Adam's camp focus on is not what they can't do, what they can do. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, you're taking people across the world who probably don't get away from their families much. So it's got to be a little scary, but at the same time, you're building them up through these awesome tasks that they get to do when they travel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's very typical for someone who's in their 20s and 30s and beyond to want to go on trips without their parents. Like that's a very um, typical, exciting thing to do. And so number one, that that's our programs provide that we provide an opportunity for folks to explore the world without their families. Um, And which I think just allows for a lot of a lot of growth in different areas. Um, one of the really cool things about the band is that we really focus on um, how to build folks' independence, but we also focus on interdependence. So within the disability community, there's a lot of talk about independence. You need to do this to yep. be able to do something by yourself. You need to do this to be able to do something by yourself. When in reality, doing things all by yourself all the time doesn't make sense. Not one for any of us, for any of us. Exactly. We all need each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we really focus on interdependence and how to build communication skills and how to build self-awareness around what it is that we need help with. And then what it is we can offer to folks, because there's a stigma that only folks with disabilities need help and only people who don't have disabilities can help. When in reality, we all need help and all of us can help each other. We just need to figure out how we can help each other. So tell me what, what does that look like? And give me an example of, of, of that where you're building interdependence. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. So we do an activity on every trip. It's called our special gifts and special needs activity. Um, And there are like a big jumble of words. And there are also some pictures that folks can look at. Um, And we ask people to identify their gifts. So things that come really naturally to them, um, as well as their needs, things that they need support with. And we very intentionally do not use the words um, strengths and weakness. Uh, because weakness has a connotation that there's something broken, that we are lacking in something. Right. Um, so like I said, very intentionally special gifts and special needs. Um, and so we identify them together as a group and then we kind of talk about it. It's like, oh, okay, so your gift is, is my need. Um, let's talk about it. So an example, one of my needs right now is hope. I, I don't have a lot of hope. I am very scared for the world. There's a lot going on. Um, and I, I'm, I don't have a lot of hope that doesn't inherently come to me. Um, and I was talking to one of our band members, 
about it one day and he, uh, he stood up, he was like, I can help you with that. And he stood up right in front of me and, and sort of put his arms on his side. And he was like, Kendall, your hope is right here. And like looked at the rest of the band. He was like, this is your hope. The band is proof that people are good. That uh, is so obviously cool. I just started sobbing immediately. Right. <laughs> ever. Um, but that's like a very small example of how we do it. Right. It can be something as like, uh, abstract is hope. And it can also be like, Hey, I really need some help carrying this suitcase. It's too heavy for me. Right. You know, it can be like big things and little things, but it's, there's a, a vulnerability that, that has to come with yeah. for help. That's right. that actually comes, you know, from my experience, it comes more naturally to people with disabilities and does not come as naturally to folks who don't have disabilities. We're sort of like, conditioned and taught to not ask for help. Right. Like just try right. to, you know, I got um, this. I got this. Exactly. Right. Um, so it's really, it sparks very interesting conversations and, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Especially with special needs. I use it every day. Well, and tell me what I, I'm curious to, what do you think are, are the biggest misperceptions about folks with IDD or special needs or, or intellectual disabilities? Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a really good question. Um, there's so, there's so many. Exactly. That is, that's loaded. Um, I think the biggest one is that people with disabilities and more specifically people with intellectual and developmental disabilities lack the capacity for, um, to be able to enjoy the full human experience. Which they don't. No, not at all. Right. You know, people with disabilities want to go out to a bar and drink if that's exciting to them or they want to, you know, drive a car or have a house or get married, have children. Right. uh, Travel to Minnesota. Exactly. Whatever it is. Um, But there's an assumption that people with disabilities just are interested in that stuff or um, are capable of those things or those feelings. And it's just not true. Well, I think part of this goes back to, I'd love to have a a discussion about inclusion. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think those misperceptions oftentimes become a a barrier and impediment to inclusion. So you guys obviously are right there with inclusion because you're doing all this great stuff together. But tell me, what, what do you see are the big positives of inclusion for, for the band? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, joy. Like, I think that inclusion in general provides so much, much joy. Like when we all can get together as people and just be together, there's so much magic with that. And as, as cliche as it sounds, it's really true. Um, I think that the world, I think that the world needs the band and organizations like the band mm-hmm. um, to change their perceptions. Um, and to be more open and to be more accessible and inclusive. Um, because, you know, the barrier, all the barriers that disabled people face are our society's barriers. Right. Um, and so it is up to us as neurotypical people and up to people who are not disabled to, to make changes, to make things more inclusive for folks. So I think that the band acts as a catalyst for that and it acts as an education tool um, and really helps teach people about you know, number one, why does inclusion matter? And then how to do it. Well, and talk about the flip side of that a little bit where inclusion not only is a positive for the band members, but how is it positive for neurotypical people? Because, you know, I'm lucky enough that I've experienced that myself. It's like the inclusion, it lifts up 
everyone. I mean, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, the best way I think I could probably describe that is someone once um, explained inclusion to me in the sense of like having a party. So we, I can't always uh, control who invites me to their party. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't feel good to not be invited to a party, right? right. Like, it's, it, you know, it's, it's isolating. Right. But I can control who I invite to my party. And if I invite everyone, then that's a very inclusive space. And then everybody gets to come join and it's the best party ever. Right. Well, tell me how, from your perspective, somebody who's been doing this a long time, it it probably is second nature, but the inclusion piece, what's it done for you as a, as a person, just generally in dealing with life and finding hope and, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Good question. Um, I think that that being a part of the disabled community has given me confidence um, because I am accepted as I am, um, you know, needs and gifts and all. Um, and it has, you know, given me the most magical friendships. A lot of a lot of folks that I met when I was 12 years old volunteering for Special Olympics are still my friends now and we travel the world together. Um, so it's given me lifelong friends. It's given me um, the opportunity to learn how to be self-aware, um, and how to connect better with different people. Because at the end of the day, disabled or not, we're all so vastly different, but we're all so extraordinarily similar. Um, and so I think the band has given me really interesting perspective on that and just like how to recognize, um, similarities and differences and like how magical that really is. Um, so, I mean, I could probably go on forever talking yeah. about what this community has done for me, but right. everything, absolutely everything. Like well, I yeah. really couldn't imagine my life uh, any, any different. Totally. And I think this is another great, you raise a great point that I think this is another huge misperception is when you talk about somebody with special needs, oftentimes they get overlooked that they have special gifts that are beyond what a neurotypical person generally has. Right. I mean, you see that a lot. I saw that. And, um, I think that's another misperception. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even the term special needs, uh, creates a connotation, like a negative, right. It's very infantilizing, right. It, it makes it seem like someone is so special and dainty and you have to treat them a certain way. And like, there's not a whole lot of dignity that comes with that term. That's so true. Even That's great. That's that, interesting. Yeah. So even the language that, that we use as a society and things are changing, you know, language evolves, mm-hmm. but even the language that we use is harmful um, and it's not very inclusive and, and, unintentionally, but right. yeah, you're right. You think about that. Wow. That's, that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. So what, what would you tell somebody who might be in, too intimidated to volunteer for mm-hmm. an organization like the band or is, you know, I don't, I don't know how to deal with, with somebody that's got IDD, you know, what would you, what advice would you give them or what would you tell them? Yeah. What I tell neurotypical folks who come on trips is I tell them that they're not expected to know anything other than what they already know. So you come in with your own experience and you learn more and your experience grows and your knowledge grows. And that's just what it is. You don't need to know um, anything other than, you know, so 
I think that there's a misconception that there has to have, like you have to have a certain skill set in order to hang out with people with disabilities. All you need to know how to do is be a human. Right. You know, um, some people have certain interests that you might click with and that might be really awesome. Other people you might not click with, but that's also real life all the time anywhere. Right. Um, I think people are, like you said, I think a lot of people are really nervous, um, but there's no need to be disabled. People are people. And the rewards are infinite. Correct. Yep. Absolutely. Beyond. So tell me, and this is not a fair question, but I'll ask anyway. <laughs> tell me if there are any experiences from the band uh, that really sp- stand out as, oh my gosh, I'll never forget that. As in like really special or like really hard? Just memorable or special or anything that really just stands out. That's oh a hard God, question. That is such a hard it's every day, right? That is such a hard question. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, what's funny is pe- people ask me questions like this all the time. And I still seven years into this job, I still don't have a solid answer yeah. um, because, you know, I, my next trip will be my 40th trip, which is pretty wow. Wild. Um, but they all kind of mush together. I'll bet. But if I look at like specific individual trips, I can start to piece out like really fun little moments. Um, so let's see. Oh my gosh. So many trips, Jay. Um, personally, I was able to take the band to Hawaii, which is where my dad grew up and where I grew up going as a child. So personally, I found a lot of joy in that and being able yeah. to take the band to places that I got to go growing up and that were very like sentimental and special to me. Um, I think one of my favorite experiences was probably going to Special Olympic World Games in Abu Dhabi. Um, Because not only was it a really big experience for me as, uh, you know, someone going to the Middle East, someone from America and like breaking down a lot of misconceptions that I was taught and have learned about the Middle Mm -hmm. East. Um, But being at Special Olympic World Games is like a magic I cannot even begin to describe. Yeah. Because the whole world was there, but for me, in my opinion, the best parts of the whole world were there. Right. Um, and there were folks, you know, from Pakistan and Uzbekistan and um, like the entire world. And I, you know, we didn't speak each other's languages, but we had connections and we would laugh and we would share moments. And it was, it was, I mean, I'll never forget it. Well, and it goes back to what you're saying. We're all different, but we're all similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. And and yeah. tell me about, you know, travel is no picnic regularly. So tell me what might be some of the special challenges that the band has to face when you're doing these kind of trips. Sure. So there's 16 of us that travel total. Mm-hmm. Um, so traveling in a big group is a lot, a lot of logistics. Right. Um, you know, our crew, because there are so many of us and because we are so open to talking about what it is that people need, sometimes it takes us longer to get places. Um, that's like one thing I tell folks who are getting ready, ready to travel with us. I'm like, just be prepared to do smoothing. Right. You are a fast mover. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of challenges with accessible travel. Um, accessible hotels are, are so expensive. Accessible transportation is expensive. Airlines are notorious for, um, breaking and destroying wheelchairs and mobility devices. Like there's a lot of, 
you know, in the, the realm of accessibility, that's really challenging. Um, or even like, you know, finding an Airbnb that doesn't have a step up to the door. Um, things like that are really, really hard. That everybody, um, most people just overlook. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and traveling with, like I said, traveling with a group of 16, that's a lot of personalities. That and is a lot. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, there's some interesting things that come from that. But again, being so open and being able to talk about what it is that people need, it's actually like a lot easier than trying to ignore something or being like, you know what, I need a little bit of a break from Jimmy just for like five minutes. <laughs> like, Jimmy, I love you. I need five minutes. And just being able to say that out loud yeah. is not something that a lot of neurotypical people right. know how to do. Yeah. Um, so. So for yourself and some of the folks that you've, you've traveled in these circles with, is there ever kind of an aha moment when you, when, you know, I don't know if it was you when you were younger or as you, as you got into this more, but was there ever really like an aha moment where you're like, this is it, this is, these are the folks I want to work with. And this is what I want to do for my career. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I can specifically pinpoint an exact moment where that happened, but it most certainly did happen. Um, I would say it was probably in high school uh, for me in just that I was, you know, growing up is is really hard. Like fitting in is really hard. And anytime I was with the disabled community, whether it be at Adams camp or with special Olympics or um, just my friends at school with disabilities, I felt at ease. Um, and so that's sort of when I knew that that was where I wanted to be forever. Um, and how lucky am I that I get to, to turn my friendships into a career. No um, doubt. But I think for everyone, it's different. You know, everybody has an aha moment on trips about, you know, their perspective changing or like building a really strong connection with someone. Um, but I've seen so many aha moments. And I, and- that's the magic of the band, right? Creating these connections and creating these breaking down walls and, and kind of aha moments for everyone. Like, Oh my gosh, I really can do this. I can get on a plane and go, or wow, these folks really can do all this stuff that I didn't think they could do. Yep. Yeah. We just sort of facilitate connections and opportunities. So what do you, what's a hope and dream for the organization as you, as you all move forward? A hope and a dream. Um, I think to continue our impact as deeply as we do now, like I mentioned earlier, we're a really small organization. So in terms of like numbers and how many people we impact, it's not very high, Um, but it's very deep and it's really strong. And I, my hope and our hope as an organization is that we can continue to do that. And it's hard as a nonprofit, you know, I'm sure you dealt with this when you were a nonprofit that like writing for grants and things like that, they want to know how many people, how big is this, how, you know, all these metrics. And it's really challenging and sometimes discouraging um, to not be like a big corporation or a big company that, that impacts, you know, thousands of people. But when we really look at it and we're able to talk to folks that are in the band and and folks who, um, you know, have been impacted by the band, like it's really deep and meaningful. And so our hope is that we can continue to do that um, and find ways to, you know, strategically and creatively get funding without having to, um, you know, get bigger or or lose our, our little Right. Right. Well, you know, I've seen a lot of really great, successful 
nonprofits are just that they've, they've found their niche. They know what they're good at, what they do, and they go deep. And you guys are a great example of that. So I always like to wrap these up. I call them the fab four to finish. So the first one is what is something you will read, listen to, or watch today? I am currently reading uh, a book by Judith human. Um, and she is a disability rights activist. So I will most likely Finish that off before I go to bed this evening with a little bit of tea. Nice. So who is a role model for you in, in making our world better and in doing the work that you do? Who's somebody that has, has inspired you to do the work that you do? Um, Honestly, and this may sound like a like a cop out, but every single one of my uh, friends who are in this community, and that is disabled people and neurotypical people as well, because they to me are examples of what I want the world to be. Um, just sort of the open arms and love is like sort of what keeps me rolling. So I don't know that there's one specific human. It's more the community that really drives me. And good Lord, do we all need a little bit more of that? Um exactly. So other than the Wayfaring Band, is there an organization out there that you, that you admire or who inspires you? Yeah, so many. Um, locally, there's an organization called Guided by Humanity, and they do um, inclusive yoga for all bodies. Um, and I love their mission and, and um, the people are really beautiful. So I really love them. Uh, there are so many small uh nonprofits and organizations that uh, do this kind of work. And what's cool about the band is that everywhere we go, we research that. So just last week we were in Minnesota um, and found an, out, an art gallery called Fresh Eye Gallery. And they had just done a collaboration uh, of artists with people with disabilities. So like there are so many teeny tiny organizations that are also grassroots that are doing this work. Um, and I love learning about all of them. And um, there's so many out there. Awesome. So the last one, if somebody wants to volunteer for the band, support the band, learn more about the band, how do they find you? Yes. Um, you can find us on the internet, just the wayfaringband.com. Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, or you could email me, Kendall at and the you, wayfaringband.com. And you guys have some really fun events over the course of the year that people could get involved with and meet band members and become involved uh, that way too. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone who has any like kind like tiny inkling that this sounds kind of cool and they'd be interested in learning this, give me a call and let's talk about it. There's no harm in talking about it. Absolutely. That would be a really wonderful experience. Absolutely. Well, I'll put all that in the show notes. I hope people will come and find you. I hope you keep it up. Here's to another great 10 years, but uh, grateful for you being here today. Thanks, Jay. You're the best. Thanks for listening. Check the show notes for contact information and how you can support or volunteer to help the Wayfaring Band. If you're interested in how I might be able to help bolster your efforts and help your team achieve its goals, I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can find me at makingourworldbetter.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd subscribe and leave us a review. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better.